shorter. All right. Hey, guys, ladies. I am excited to see you all. Um, if you're anything like I am, you came into this weekend hot. If I had a walk-up song, it would be um, Wrecking Ball, because I feel like I came in like a wrecking ball. I've been working nonstop all week. My kids have pouted and asked, Mommy, when are you going to be our mommy again? And I said, later. So I am very grateful, though, to be here and to present this to you. I went to college to study um, theology and Bible. And it was my hope that I was going to somehow become some brilliant Bible teacher um, anywhere in the world, but hopefully somewhere in Africa uh, rescuing uh, little Africans everywhere. And then I married a guy who was strictly staying in the United States and being a local pastor. Um, and for whatever reason, that part of me that was going to teach the Bible never really got anywhere. Um, so I said, fine. Now that my children are, stay at home, are going to school full time, I have become a stay-at-home maid, which was not my big dream. I'm going to go off to college to be a, a teacher. Um, so it was about three years ago, I think, at right over there, where I first was struck with the, I need to become a teacher, based on some conversations I had had at a women's retreat. Monday, I have my first group of second graders walking into my classroom, not borrowed, my classroom, and I can teach them. But it wasn't already humbled. The Lord allowed me to be a Bible teacher tonight. So like, good golly, Miss Molly. I got everything I wanted. <laughs> Yay. So thank you. But it's my encouragement to you to dig into one another and care for each other tonight, this weekend. We don't get to have sleepovers anymore because we're adults. And this is our sleepover. It is the place where we get to goof off and have fun, but also where we get to share who we are and the struggles you know, the conversation I was having three years ago is, what am I supposed to be? Who am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be doing? My, my kids are doing a thing, so now what do I do? So we all have those kind of moments where we're, uh, we don't know who we are or what we're supposed to be doing, what we're supposed to be praying for. And so women's retreat is the place where we care for each other. We don't have the answers. We love and care for each other. So. Um, my admonition to you is take full advantage of this weekend. So I am excited to bring to you, um, we are going to do full lesson this weekend on inductive Bible study. Now, I'm going to do a school thing. Fist to five. Fist to five. Tell me, inductive Bible study. Zero is, I have no idea what you're saying. I hear the word Bible study. Five is, I know what you're talking about it, and if you gave me a, a couple of hours, I could probably teach a, a mini camp on it. Where are you? Uh, show me on your chest. Zero is, I have no idea what you're talking about. Five is, I got this. Thank you. That helps me know who I'm teaching to, so thank you. And I have practiced for Monday, 
so appreciate that as well. All right, so we're, yes, ma'am. Stick to the microphone, you say. All right, so. So if you'll allow me, I'm just going to pray, but I'm going to pray a little funny tonight and this whole weekend. I'm going to pray scripture. And so you, just so we get a little sense of another way in which you can ingest and use and get scripture in you, I'll tell you, because this is an unbelievably great passage, that I only change one, two, three, four, five words and change them instead of you to us or we. So the idea that this is so prayable without much, much adaptation, may the Lord forgive me for the adaptations that I have made. So um, I'm going to read Colossians 1, 9 through 12 and 28 and 19, 28 and 29 as we pray. So if you'll just pray with me. We continually ask God, Lord, fill us with the knowledge of your will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives us. So that we may live a life worthy of the Lord, to please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that we may have a great endurance and patience, and giving joyfully thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints. For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness, and he has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that he may, we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, we strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in us. All right, I want to start with who we are as a women's ministry, but I have a confession, it's under construction. <laughs> Amy and I had this grand idea that we were going to bring to you the newly revealed women's ministry mission, and we worked on it, and then we got busy doing other things. So I, I don't hate this, but um, we need people to help us hone this, okay? But this gives you exactly what we were thinking. So our mission is... We want to encourage a deep love for Christ. That's our main mission and in our women's ministry. Everything that we do, we want it to be toward that primary aim. We want to foster deep relationships. That's why it's just us girls. Um, it's great to be with the dudes as well, but this is a place where we can be raw and vulnerable and share the life experiences that we've had together as women um, and, and share each other's burdens. Then we want to shepherd one another to depend on Christ alone. Right? So when we want to turn everywhere else, our friend reminds us, our church, our girls say, it's Jesus. Remember Jesus. And reminds us to sit back in the chair depending on Christ alone. And that we would be a light to the, our ends of the earth. I put our ends of the earth specifically for me. 
This verse was real to me when I was in college. I wanted to go to the ends of the earth, and I somehow managed to wind up on some suburban street making bunt cakes for a white church. And it was a real uh, disappointment. But that's not how the Lord felt about it. And this verse came to mind, ends of the earth. And I thought, I always get choked up when I tell the story. And I thought, gosh, my kids, their legs are like this long. They can't walk to the ends of the earth. How am I going to get to the ends of the earth with these babies? And God said, this is your ends of the earth. Look. And I saw Ramstone, and I saw rain. And I said, here it is. Isn't it a big enough field? And so it gave me this sight that I already was terrified of that, those ten houses. <laughs> And I had a lot of work to do to love and care for those who the Lord had already put right there. Right? So we want to be women who are investing and encouraging each other to invest in whatever place the Lord has put you. All right. So that's where we're coming from. And that's where we're going. All right. So in that, the women's ministry, a.k.a. Indiana, want to build a group of women who want to be teachers. Do we know what that looks like? No, we do not. But we need you, anyone who is interested in learning how to be a teacher. Now you're saying to yourself, hold on, Amy Haskins, I don't want to teach women's retreat next year. That's not exactly what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when we get the word of God in us, it automatically overflows out of us. And so if our goal is deeply rooted in the word of God, then we are going to be passionate for the word of God as soon as we get in it for a while. And so if any of you are interested, in helping us figure out what this group looks like, helping us figure out what this group does. We're going to go to conferences and learn how to study and teach the Bible. But it's not just to large groups. This is one-on-one. -on -one. This is to your neighbor. This is leading a Bible study or hosting a Bible study. This is teaching our kids. If you want help and encouragement to study the Word of God in order to teach it, Amy and I want to figure out what that looks like. And the good news is, every single one of you are going to sit through the first sessions of that group because it's this weekend. <laughs> All right, so here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to start with the foundations. We're going to start with the foundational doctrine that roots our faith in the Bible as inerrant. I'll define that later. Authoritative word of God. Then we're going to look at the basics, why the Bible was written and what it's all about. We're going to go to some practical stuff. This is getting down to the nitty-gritty details of how to study the Word of God and what benefits we receive according to Scripture, and then practice. Um, we, you as a group are going to make observations, which is the first step in inductive Bible study of Romans 1, 1 through 17, which is what we're going to be working on this whole weekend um, as a group. All right, so let's get started. We're going to start with Community Bible Church um, doctrinal statement. It's not the end-all, be-all. That's why I'm putting it first. Let's get it out there, though. Um, turn the page. We believe in the verbal plenary. So plenary means absolute without question. God-breathed inspiration of the Bible. Both the Old and New Testaments consisting of 66 books, inerrant, which means 
without error related to facts in its original writings. God breathed. We'll look at that in scripture. But that means it has all authority, as if it was spoken directly from God. Inerrant, meaning we believe that in its original writings, it was without error. We all understand that we're reading translations. And translations, by nature, are trying to get at the essence of what the author is saying in the original language. Um, so every one of them is going to have their take on it. And so it helps us to understand it if we consume a lot of several, a couple of different translations in order to truly understand that original writing. All right. So our lens. This is simply a shameless plug for Amy's July series, but we come from a covenantal theological framework. And you're going to say, well, Amy, I don't know what a covenantal theological framework is. And I will say, Amy did an entire July series on it. It is recorded, and it's on our website. And I talked Ryan into doing a full page for women's ministry that will have a page for us where we can go and find all of our audio really easily. That will happen, but in the meantime, you can still find it on our website. But essentially, it is that we see that the covenantal framework seeks to understand the Bible within the framework of God's covenants throughout history. So you say to me, I'm not sure what you mean. You've seen this, though. This is the singular storyline of the Bible. I start at creation, fall, then you have the promise of Christ at the very beginning, and then human history, all with a promise of Christ, where you see guys who look like Christ but aren't Christ, guys who do do something well, but we get to look back on them and say, yeah, but Christ was better. That's all of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. Christ is better. He's a better Adam. He's a better Moses. He's a better Abraham. But they're pictures. They're shadows of the one who is to come. And then Christ enters as a baby. He's crucified and ascends. But that is not the end of the story. We are in that final period between the two dashes, we're waiting for the return of Christ. When he comes, he will make all things new, and we will live with him forever, which is why the line continues. So you say, hmm, that's a lot. We can think of it more like this. Four words. Creation, rebellion, redemption, consummation. That is the framework in which we look at Scripture. So as you're reading, you can go, okay, this, how does this fall? Where does this fall in that storyline? Where is this going? And I'll show you more tomorrow about where these books kind of line up with this line. But as you're reading, you can begin to see, uh, you, you read Eve when she gives birth to her first son, Cain, who we know is not Christ. She names him Cain because she says, it is he, right? It is he. Is that the meaning, Amy? He is here. Here he is. She believes that's Christ. 
Because God promised her in Genesis 3 that she would bear a son who would crush the serpent's head. She looked for him. We will spend, and you spend all of scripture waiting. Is this him? Is this him? Is this him? That is that single storyline of redemption that you see in scripture. Recommendation time. Recommendation time. I think the best way to understand the single storyline is by reading really great, not terrible, um, children's Bibles. The first one I'm going to recommend is Jesus, the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, and it, here is the introduction. No, the Bible isn't a book of rules or heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. I will try, I've, I read it several times and I try not to cry. Let's just try. It's an adventure story of a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, and everything to rescue the one he loves. It is like the most wonderful of all fairy tales because it has come true in real life. You see, the best thing about this story is that it's true. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story. The story of how God loves his children and came to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell the story. And at the center of their, that story, there is a baby. Every story in the Bible whispers his name. He is like the missing, missing piece in the puzzle. That piece that makes all the other pieces fit together. And suddenly you see the beautiful picture. And this is no ordinary baby. This is a child upon whom everything would depend. This is a child who would one day, but wait, that's where our story begins, in the very good beginning. And then it's, you can read that, but then it says at the very end, John came to the end of the book, end of his book, but he didn't write the end because, of course, that's how stories finish, and this one's not over. So instead he wrote, come quickly, Jesus which is perhaps really just another way of saying to be continued. We are living in that continuum. Christ has come to rescue us from the original fall and our condemnation to sin and Satan, but we still live in a sinful world and we still wait for that day when we are rescued from our sinfulness where we can worship without the hindrance of sin between us and him, where we don't need a shadow of him, we get the real thing forever. That this book, this Bible, Jesus Storybook Bible, I read regularly to remind me because I forget, I get lost in the weeds. So I recommend this book. If you don't like all the words, we have well loved this book, and so much so I cannot tell you what the cover looks like. This is called the Big Picture Bible. I acquired this in college. This is a book that was written uh, by the pastor of my church. I didn't realize he was such a big deal, but um, this is a lot fewer words, but tells the same story. Um, beautiful. They're, I don't say pick. I say read both. But 
I want to show you, these, the illustrations were painted by one of the women in our church. And they did an awesome job of imaging symbolism throughout the Word of God, so you can see the single storyline of the Bible. And one of the things, for example, is you'll see this is Adam and Eve's perspective before the fall. They're worshiping God. That's their perspective. When you see we're looking down on God, uh, they're looking, looking down on them. It's God's perspective. And if you'll notice, the shadow is not worshiping. It's reaching for the, knowledge of tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Christ, God knew long before they sinned that they had that they were that was in their future and that He was going to rescue them in order to show His goodness. Um, the symbolism is throughout the paintings, which makes it really beautiful if you pay much attention. Um, you'll also see some more through the um, the tribes and how that the the twelve tribes and how that's painted in circles throughout the um, book. So I really recommend this, and you can borrow it. I have. I have uh, read it recently, so you can borrow it for at least six months. Those are my recommendations. All right, so we're going to hop into the basics. We're going to read a lot of scripture through this next section. If you'll just do your best to comprehend what it's saying and not just hear it. Try to hear it for a, like it's new again. We're just going to hear what scripture says about scripture. The most authoritative source we have about the Bible is the Bible. And we'll see why. So 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by, by God. So when we think about that, we think first uh, the Holy Spirit the Greek word is pneuma, which is where we get, like, uh, help me out, pneuma, the pneumonia, thank you. So, respiratory, breathed out. You see the connection between the Holy Spirit and being breathed out, but also, remember, Jesus is called the Word. And I don't mean to um, associate him with just just we call the Bible the word, but that he is the spoken word of God. He is what we have it tangibly, but we know that he was a part of the inspiration of the, Holy, of the Bible. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, so reproof um, for, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All right, when the Spirit, this is, uh, this is Jesus talking to his 11 disciples, and he's specifically telling them what they need to know before he ascends. So this is his after, after his, um, I shouldn't say that, I don't totally know if it's after his ascension or not, but um, as he's preparing them for his death and burial resurrection, he's preparing them for the ministry that they're going to have, which will include writing the word of God. And so he says to them, when the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you in all the truth, 
for he, he, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears from God the Father, he will speak. And he will declare it to you, the things that are to come. So we look in scripture and you go, how did Isaiah know to write so specifically about Jesus? Here Jesus is saying, this spirit breathed through those men. Now you say, okay, then, he, they, then God just wrote the Bible like God had a hold of his hand and they scribed it. We don't believe that he dictated it. He used their personalities, their experiences, but it is God-infused. And so we believe it is the very word of God, not the mere word of man. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So we're starting to see this thing. The, the Bible that we have is God's very word spoken to us and that it keeps having a work in us. Right? We're, start, we're starting to see that over and over again. Let's keep seeing it. I made this more interesting. I knew we need a little liven up. Okay. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the divide soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing is meant to convict you like scripture. The God purposefully wrote his word and gave us a spirit in our hearts that works. Magic is not strong enough to speak what happens between us and the word of God. But it's not the same as us reading any other book. Certainly the spirit is in us when we're reading anything. But... The scriptures say that the scriptures are active and alive. All right, so the other thing we hold to, we are a confessional church, and we hold to the London Baptist Confession. And so I thought I'd at least um, do pay a little nod to it. I brought the London Baptist. Confession with me if anyone wants to read through it. It's just really, I, I think it's devotional, honestly, but it's really good. Um, summation of what we believe in all aspects is shorter than a uh, systematic theology. So, nonetheless, we acknowledge the inward illumination of the Spirit, just like we've been talking about, of God to be necessary for the saving understanding of such things as revealed in the Word of God. So, um, it's you need the Holy Spirit in order for it to be alive and active. Um, dead people find the word dead. And until the Lord makes them alive and the Spirit works in them, it has no power in their heart and life. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know from those whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. This is Paul encouraging Timothy, who was his spiritual disciple, to keep pressing on in the faith that he learned as a child. 
Who taught him his faith? Anybody already know? His grandmother, Lois, taught Timothy. The My mama heart shouts out when I see what Timothy became based on what his grandmother taught him. Uh, Doug Searle, he's our youth pastor. He was my youth pastor. He's our missionary to Bonaire. Long, long ago, he was teaching through Joshua and Judges in a, in a um, Sunday school class. And one of the themes we picked up on was believe in such a way that your children believe and your grandchildren believe. Now, can you believe enough to make your grand... No, you know what I'm saying, but what, what he kept saying was remember. Tell your children what I did for you. Don't let them forget. Keep rehearsing that thing that happened to us, that miracle, because they will forget. And you would think, no, if I walk through the Red Sea, I don't think I'd shut up about it. I don't think I'd quit talking. And then a generation later, it says, and they forgot. We are by nature forgetters. Even when we've seen unbelievable miracles, we forget. It is our joy to preach Christ's goodness in our own lives. It's not just about the Red Sea. It's pointing out the everyday grace of God in our lives to everyone around us, but particularly the little people who are listening. Look what God did. You know, and some will say, oh, I don't want to burden my kids too much with a struggle. And I understand that, you know, no, you don't want to open up the floodgates. Our mommy and daddy are going to lose our house next week. But there is a sense, there's a part of it they can handle. And to what they can handle, we say, we are praying for this thing. On the other end of it, you say, if God answered mommy's prayer when she was a little girl for a purple bicycle with a pink seat, and pink wheels and pink handlebars to a family who got that bike dropped off for free, I bet the Lord can help you find your wallet in your room. Why? why? I, don't, I don't know why the Lord does it other than to say, I love you and I care for you and I need you to remember when it's bigger than a wallet. The Lord has some work to do. I think, this is off record, I think the Lord wants to show his power to not only us, but our children. And I think that he's in the business of showing them his power and his greatness in a way that they can understand. And so I'm, I, will, I will gladly try to remember, to remind them to remember Jesus. Right? Okay. So we're getting practical. Here we go. All right, read it. <laughs> Amy, how do we do it? Okay, we've heard enough about we need to do it. Let's tell me how to do it. Well, let's start. Um, you got to read it. But maybe we've been taking it. Sometimes we overthink it a little bit. Um, on maybe, maybe you're not reading the Bible because you're busy. But also maybe you're thinking, I'm not reading the Bible and studying the Bible because I don't think I have what it takes to really get it. Um, deep down inside of me, I have 
this understanding that it doesn't matter what I do, I'm never going to get enough out of it like the preachers do or like the good teachers do. And so all I'm going to do is just sit and wait for somebody to tell me what it means. So here's what I'm going to give you. We already know that the Spirit is living and active, right, in you and the Word of God. You're already in that agreement. So we already know that you do have some version of power that's outside of you when you come to the Word. Leave that there. So read it. Read it fast. Sit down and read a whole, all of Ephesians. You say, well, Amy, I can't understand all of Ephesians. I don't, I don't care. You're on your walk. You're listening to Ephesians. Somebody reading it. ESV has a good, um, has a good audio version on the app. Um, and, well, I'll let Amy recommend some more of those. But um, listen to the Bible. Read the Bible with your own words, eyes. Read it slow. Take a chunk, even print out a chunk, write a chunk, and just read that chunk for a, for a week. Listen to the Bible. Um, pray scripture. I modeled that when at the beginning. It doesn't have to be a huge prayer. One of my other prayers is, uh, I believe, help my unbelief. And that is scripture. We can take those chunks that we can hide in our heart and say, Lord, I need more. I'm not enough here. But I want to I know more. I don't want to believe more. Um, memorize it. Meditate on it. And get it in multiple versions. So I don't know about you, but I read the ESV all the time. And I accidentally brought up, even for this study, when I was studying, the NIV came up automatically on one of the Bible apps I was using. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I realized why it sounded so amazing is because it was just a little different wording than what I'm used to. And so it made it new for me. So especially if it's getting old in that same edition, go read it in some other edition. And they, um, BibleGateway.com and uh, BibleIS or other apps or uh, websites you can go to that, will eat, that will, you can print it from or you can listen to it from. All right, so, oh, wait, wait. Recommendations. There, if you're not already listening to it, Sarah, Sarah asked about and I already got this. 30 Minutes in the New Testament is a podcast. Highly recommend it. Um, they are, he's a Greek. He knows all of his Greek and all of his Hebrew, and he's just walking through the scriptures and telling you what it means with a, a partner, a guy. 40 minutes in the Old Testament, same thing. They're just walking through the Old Testament. They're not telling you any application. They're not telling you, this is what you need to do now. It is simply expositing each, all the phrases, and giving you a clear understanding um, of the background and where they came from. So I love just plowing through that um, podcast. And then the last one is Help Me Teach the Bible. This one I use for inspiration. When I'm not feeling like studying the Bible or I'm not feeling overly spiritual or feeling kind of lazy, um, this podcast often pops up. This is Nancy Guthrie's podcast. on, um, And she's specifically speaking to you as if you're teaching, but secretly I'm not always teaching. Sometimes I just need to be told what the Word of God is saying, and she's fine with me listening. She hasn't figured it out yet. She talks to theologians and Bible teachers, uh, pastors, 
on books of the Bible that they have studied for years, and they tell you overarching themes, how you would break it up in an outline form, what you would do with it if you only had 10 weeks to study, how you would break it up. And so this is how I convinced my Bible study to study 2 Samuel before we had studied 1 Samuel. With only, we only had what, six meetings <laughs> before the summer? There was no way we were getting through it. But I just, I would, I would, it was coming on Easter. And I said, good golly, if we could just watch this longing for a king that isn't the king, as the king is riding in on a donkey, I can't get enough of that. <laughs> but we got very, it was beautiful though. What we got through was beautiful and we learned so much. But, um, so anyway, it's just an inspirational take you to go, okay, maybe I want to study that book. That's kind of what I'm interested in. So we're going to walk through that with Nancy Guthrie. All right, purposeful study. We come to scripture saying, what about me? And a lot of those passages said, you know, you, it will change you. But we have to go back and remember that we're not going to it to feel something. We're going to it to learn something. Our primary mission in the scriptures is to know God because that's where he's revealing himself. Jonathan Edwards connects this. Where there is knowledge, there will always be emotion. So it, they are connected, but we're seeking first the head, and it reaches the heart. But that, all too often, and now I'll talk more about this in the application and interpretation part, we come to scripture going, what's in it for me today? Who am I going to be today because of what Jesus is doing? And it's great. We're coming to it broken and humble. But at the same time, we're coming to it thinking about me and not about him. And we need to remember those scriptures are about God. And he is revealing himself to us. All right. So, but there are benefits. So, the benefits of purposeful study. We want to go at this purposefully. And systematically, but it will be interesting all the same. So I talked about remember, and I put up this passage. Psalm 77 was really beautiful. Another way of describing remember. Um, these are just some of the themes that came up. As I'm studying, I'm going, ah, the Bible just keeps helping us remember. I put remember in, I also mean to know, to know God and remember. But rehearsing is part of remembering and comfort. So if any of you have been in a place where a brokenness and remembering caused you to breathe, you understand what I mean by comfort. We also get wisdom. You see that in Proverbs 1? Proverbs 1 is a beautiful passage on the word of God. Um, you become steady. And what do I mean by steady? In Psalm 1, you'll see it, but unmovable, not tossed around. You know that verse not fooled, and it gives us discernment. Pure, you see that all throughout the passages we saw, but Psalm 1 and Proverbs 1 again talk about the purity that we receive by um, not only hearing, but doing, says James, uh, the book of James, and being blessed. You see that in Psalm 1, but happiness and contentment come from the word of God or our deep dive into the word of God. So, now it's a time for you to practice. I'm going to have you see it for yourself. And this is a little exercise you're going to do before we break off. 
Um, let me explain it first, and then Amy will pass it out. So she's going to hand you first, second, second Peter 1 in a printout. I know a lot of us have trouble with really marking up our Bible because we want it to be, you know, pretty forever. And I, I feel you. So these you can write all over. So we're going to annotate. If it's been a minute since you've been in school, annotate is just making notations, making notes on these anytime you hear any one of these themes. Okay, so here's what I'm going to give you to do. We've got number one is remember, two is wisdom, three is steadiness, four is pure, five is blessed. Yep, yep, okay. Yes, no, no, it's all staying there. If you see something else, you're welcome to also note that. This is not a race, but I'm going to give you five full minutes to read the passage, and anytime you see any of these themes, I want you to just make a note of it, either by writing number one over it or writing Remember, oh yeah, that's remember. I see, I see remember. Oh, I see steadiness. He wants us to be unmoved. So I'm going to give you five full minutes to read it and make notes. Any questions on what we're doing before I start the timer? All right, ready, go. Yes. Is it better one slide back? Okay. The big ones are one through five.
right, you can go ahead and lay your pencils down. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> Freeze. The test is over. All right, I've really been thinking long and hard about how to best go through this with you and quickly. This is not the best way, but this is the way that I thought to do it. I'm going to read it. And then as I read it, you shout out. See, you already know it's not a great way, but it's going to work. We're going to do it because you're just going to do it. What you saw. So if I read over a part and you're like, that's steadiness, just say Just say it. All right? We'll see how. You're going to do great. You're going to do great. Don't worry about me. You got this. All right. So <clears throat> I'm going to start in verse 3 just to get us past the introduction, but I, that first part is great too. Okay, verse 3, you ready? First, Second Peter 1, right? That's what I printed for all of you, right? We're all on the same page. I'm just make sure I didn't make major mistakes. His divine power has given us everything we need for God, good job, godly life through our, through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Good job. You're doing it right. Keep going. <laughs> though, the, though these things he has given us, his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped corruption, pure, in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and self-control perseverance, and perseverance godliness. Yes. And godliness, mutual affection, and mutual affection, love. For, he, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins and pure. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do not do these, you will, you will, if, for if you do these, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Next page. You ready? So I always remind you of these things, even though you know them and you're firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it's right for you to refresh your memory as long as we live in this tent of this body because I know that I will soon be put aside, <laughs> dead, and the Lord Jesus, as our Lord Jesus made that clear to me, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things. For you will not, we did not follow cleverly devised stories. Mm -hmm. when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. He receives honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him in the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard that voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We, have, we also have a prophetic message as something completely reliable. Mm. And, you, and you will do well to pay attention to it. 
as and remember, as to the light shining in a dark places until the dawn day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Bless. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its own origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as if they were carried around, uh, carried around, carried along by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great job. You made that well worth its uh, weight in gold. Uh, well done. I didn't think I could teach you that as well as you could teach you that by walking through it. There's so many more themes in that than what I saw, but that was a good way of walking through it. Um, I show you that to show you another way to look at scripture, another way to plow through it. Maybe today, maybe, maybe one day you read through it and you say, hmm, that word really stuck out to me. I'm going to read that that chunk, and I'm going to be thinking about that theme as I read through it, and I'm going to kind of highlight the things that work in through that theme. It's just another way. Don't box yourself in with a cup of coffee and a Bible at a certain time. Allow the Word of God to have be all, littered all over the place, and allow it to get in you any way it can find its way in, okay? Um, so, now we go to small groups. So, um, I know, I know I did like a full sermon, like longer than Ryan's, um, but what I'm trying to say is that was my, that was my big session. I will do a smaller session tomorrow, but the, this is to kind of set us up for the amount of work that we're going to be able to do together. So here's what we're going to do. First, first, you are going to think through, uh, we're going to pass out. Romans 1, same thing. You're going to get sheets of paper. We're going to do observation, okay? So, Amy, what is observation? Observation is simply looking and telling what you see. Okay, so if you saw a man and a woman under an umbrella, you might say an observation would be there's a man walking with an umbrella. There is a woman beside the man. Those are all clear observations from the photo. If you said the husband and wife are walking under an umbrella, you have moved out of observation into interpretation land, right? Because nobody told you they were married. So you took what you wanted to see and you laid it back over it. What we want to do is clearly separate. Inductive Bible study, and I'll teach more about this, exegesis. This is what the, what the preacher does. He pulls out, ex, ex, pulls out of the scriptures the true meaning of the text. The opposite is eisegesis. I put into the text what I think it says. What we want to do as good Bible learners is pulling out of the text what we think it says. Okay? The best way to do that is to start by, what does it say? Comprehending the text. Okay? We have some variables to get through. We are not ancient Romans. We do not speak Greek. We were not in that church long ago. So we already have a giant barrier. But before we get there, 
we at least have the plain words on the text that we can work through. So we're going to make observations. An observation is simply, so Romans, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the Romans. An observation is, Paul is writing. Verse, and then you make a little notation, verse 1. What I was taught to do in college, and I, I, had, a, I had this in my mind, but we can uh, just either flip your page over or maybe we just get a whole separate page and someone on your table is just documenting your observations. And that documenter is, um, if you wouldn't mind, all of you work together to just make sure they're not interpretations. Don't take from it. Don't say, oh, well, I heard a preacher once say that that means we're not doing that yet, okay? You're simply looking at what the passage says and going, well, here's what I see. So what other things can you note? The other thing that's going to come up is questions. <laughs> You're going to say, who is he writing to? Where was he writing? Maybe those types of questions are going to come up. Those are observations. So any questions that you have related to this passage, that's an observation. Write it down. You're going to try to write as many as you can about this passage. Tomorrow, we're going to do the work. Amy's going to actually answer all of our questions for us real quick in the morning. So we have to plow through this. Like, like this could take us weeks, right? But Amy's going to do the work for us in some ways so that we can continue the work of doing interpretation application in a weekend. So we want to ask all these good questions so that when Amy starts teaching, we're like, oh my gosh, I have that question. I wanted to write that down. That's what we were asking. That's what we wanted to know. And so she's going to give us some background that's going to help feed us into what the real meaning, what, what, what is happening there. Okay, so one, we're going to write any questions that come up, write repeat phrases, like if a word keeps repeating or a phrase keeps repeating, go ahead and note that. And it would be really beneficial to you if you wrote like what verse you found it in so that you could go back and kind of reference that later. So like I said, add verse three, you just put in parentheses, making a note. No, um, and anything that stands out to you, words or phrases that seem important. You're not making judgment calls on anything you're writing yet, okay? You're just writing. But first, I just want you to take three minutes and write down in your journal what you think Romans is about. You might think to yourself, I have no idea. That's fine, write that too. We're just going to, this is background knowledge, what do you already know. Write down what you think Romans is about, who it's from, who it's to. We're just going to take, actually, you only need two minutes to just kind of formulate, because when we're done, you're going to see how, what, we're going to see a change. What we knew before we studied and what we now know after we studied. So we're just kind of laying the groundwork. What do you already know before you read Romans 1? what is Romans 1 or Romans about, okay? Then we're going to hop into our groups, and we're just going to start popping out observations, and let's have a scribe who's writing them down together. What do you say, Amy? We need to be done probably by 9, right, or even a little bit before. So we're just going to do 20 minutes. We're not here all night. We're going to do 20 minutes of observations together, and then we'll close it up and call it a night. Let me pray for us real quick before we get, you get started there. Just close down what I'm doing here, and then we will pop into those groups. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your active Holy Spirit in our hearts. 
and in your word, working in us. You're working in us even though I ignore you. You're working in me even though I um, am too busy for you. You're at work in my heart. And Lord, you're bringing up the word of God um, that is nailed into my brain even that comforts me, guides me, and reminds me that you are good. Lord, I thank you for this group of women, and I pray as we go to study your word that you would give them um, confidence that you are with them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, two minutes. 